ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Overlap. It's a Wednesday night at the time of recording, so we are doing it. Usually, we record on a Tuesday. Sometimes even on a Monday, we give ourselves some some credit there. Um, but with such a big game in City Arsenal having quite literally just taken place, we thought it would be better for Rian and I to actually give you our thoughts right after that game and uh, talk about why uh, I am so right when it comes to my Premier League predictions. But don't worry, we'll get there in a second. Rian, how you doing? Happy Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. I get to spend a whole day with you next week, so that, that'll be fun. Um, I don't even know what you're doing this weekend. Yeah, let's do something this weekend. Uh, that's a, that's a separate conversation. But what's <laughs> <up>? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good, dude. Um, yeah, we can. Could, it oh, could have been better. Could have weekend. Uh, yeah, thank you. That's you my ADD coming out. <laughs> <laughs> continue. Um, no, no, good, good. Uh, weekend could have been better. Could have been worse. One of the, one of the, uh, could have been better things was that lost my glasses over the weekend. Wait, wait, uh, these are new yes and and like my the ones that i lost have also are like on the way as well but i figured i needed a second pair anyway anyway lost lost my glasses over the weekend (laughs) which was uh yeah very unfortunate um i was in philadelphia actually same time um but it it just that among other things ruined my weekend (laughs) so uh (laughs) Uh, that's such yeah. an L. I'm so sorry. Wait, first off, where did you lose your glasses? And I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't. In written house. In written house. Yeah. I. There are only there's well, like a finite number of things you can do in written house. <laughs> I mean, so the the, the full story is that I had I had my sunglasses on, and mm. so my eyeglasses themselves were in my jacket, and it was very warm on Saturday. Like, yeah warmer than i expected it to be so when i I took my jacket off and just kind of had it around my my shoulder and i was like walk very coy like walking around rent house for a while maybe like 20 odd minutes and then stepped into a bar sat down and immediately was like where are my glasses and (laughs) and as soon as i realized that i was like i'm so screwed (laughs) <laughs> it's like I like I wasn't I wasn't keeping track of where of my I was walking in like a set, six to no probably more than that but maybe like a ten block radius just kind of like aimlessly walking around because it was so nice out and yeah by the time I by the time I realized I was like oh, I was not tracking my steps so <laughs> I, I can <laughs> like I'll go I I walked I walked vaguely in the same areas as I as as I was around for the last for like the twenty minutes before and. Like after like five or so minutes of that, I was like, I'm just not gonna remember <laughs> where these nice. could have possibly fallen. <laughs> so I don't blame you if that's the if that's the the real story. Um, that it, no, it is. I've literally no reason. The hell is that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got me. I, I was mugged. I was mugged <laughs> by a group of, of small children. <laughs> That tracks so much better for the title of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what I would make it for the record. Let me let me be clear about that. But that's hysterical. Did you go to the Union game on uh, on Saturday? Is that is that where you? No. Were well, I was game? I was planning on it, um, but lost my glasses on Saturday, and yeah. I didn't have contacts. And and then also it was raining very heavily Saturday night. Um, the Union game actually there was like a shelter in place. 
yeah. right before, before the game. So uh, it probably like it was not worth losing my glasses, but it probably was not going to be a very fun experience at at the at the actual stadium, other than the Union winning four um, 0 yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, or not four? It was four one. It was actually four, a wonder four, two, goal. Four two. Four two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a wonder goal by uh, Insigne in there. But anyway, he's still good. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, could have been a better weekend. Yeah. Been worse. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I hope that this you? Yeah. weekend will at least be better. Um, I was I was home visiting family, uh, as you know. So, um, I was home for gosh, like. In hindsight, it was like five days, which is nice. Um, I yeah. did. I forget if I told you this. I did the most old man thing this weekend, and I gardened. I gardened <laughs> this weekend. I helped my parents pull out all the weeds in the uh, in the yard. So I've officially aged twenty years in two hours, and uh, that was the highlight yeah. of my weekend. <laughs> if it makes you feel makes you feel better, when I was when I was younger. I used to also help with like pulling the weeds out for my grandmother that uh that gardens yeah. that used to garden in our backyard. But um so so that that makes you feel better. It's it's <laughs> it's it's also it was also a chore. It was also something that was literally a chore for me. <laughs> <laughs> that see that's the difference, right? Is that you were like given that task to do, whereas I actually proactively went outside and went, I did the thing where you like put your hands on your hips and you go, and oh my God, there's so many weeds. And then I just started picking. Oh, wow. Unprovoked? <laughs> Unprovoked. And then my parents came out and helped. But um, but yeah, I, I just, I couldn't stand the sight of it. So we got, we got some errands done, you know, wash the car, stuff like that. It was a fun weekend. It was a fun whole nice. How productive. Very productive. Anyway. We have talked enough about us. We should talk about the multitude of games. We haven't even talked about some of these. I was t- telling Rian before we started, we didn't even talk about Sevilla knocking out United, uh, which, by the way, the funniest thing in Europe this season would not be Chelsea knocking out Dortmund, the potential Bundesliga <laughs> winners out of, the, out of the Champions League. It would be Sevilla winning the Europa League, which would mean they are in the Champions League next year while getting relegated. <laughs> give me, give me a second. Lead. Yeah, that that would be that would be much funnier. I, I agree with that. Give me, I agree give with me that. Sevilla <laughs> in the Segunda and in the Champions League at the same time. I'm so here for it. Oh man. Well, what was it? it? Was about a decade ago. Yeah, we're basically a decade on from Wigan beating Manchester City in the FA yeah. Cup final. Mm-hmm. And getting relegated and playing in the Europa League <laughs> while they're in the championship, so it would just be it would just be like that next level. Exactly, just another level of insanity. But Rion, our, our game of the week weekend, whatever you want to call it, is uh, is absolutely going to be City Arsenal. Um, City going on to win four one. Arsenal scoring nothing more than really a consolation goal, ironically from Rob Holding who has, of course, started the last five or six games with Saliba being injured. I think there was some hope that Saliba would be back for this game. Certainly not fit enough for, for this tie, especially as intense it was going to be. Um, l- let me start with a, an overarching question we can get to discussion. Have Arsenal fully lost the Premier League? Oh, man. Oh, well... I know, easy question to start. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, so <laughs> I your answer, if you're consistent with how you've talked about this the entire season, I assume will be no. 
I assume will be no, because you never say that things are over. Um, uh, I... <laughs> I'm, waiting for the, I'm waiting for what way you're going to say the I, uh, God, I, I don't want to say definitively either, but considering that Manchester City can now lose a game and win the rest and win the rest of their remaining games. Um, yeah, it, it's making me feel like it's kind of betting favorite. Like, like City have been the betting favorite for now, like two weeks, really. Even while Arsenal had like that five six point lead at times. Um, I I th- I was waiting until this game to to really you know change my my whole tune on it all but um yeah i i think that for me city are the most likely winners now like i i i would bet money on city winning it now um and and mostly because they have that cushion and before my my reasoning of why i still felt arsenal had um were let's just say in the driving seat sorts was because for most of the this second half of the season, they could have lost this game and still won the league. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, up until two weeks ago, they could have, up until a week ago, they could have drawn this game and still won the league, right? So, yeah, it's a, it's just all kind of fallen apart for them in the last uh, three weeks here, which is obviously disappointing from like an Arsenal fan point of view. Uh, and and you know, disappointing from a neutral point of view too. Not just not because it's City that's going to win the league, and, and I know it's going to be five out of six seasons. And I can already, I can already see the think pieces that will come out at the end of this season uh, if City were to win five in six years without taking in any context of the fact that they went to the last day on what two of those, at least two of those titles, and and the other team chasing them was like within one point of them but whatever um i i I, from the neutral point of view what makes it disappointing is more of like the nature of how city have kind of gotten back into the driver's seat here where uh it's really been down to obviously city's brilliance of course they've been they've been brilliant but but it has also felt like it's a bit more of a a lot of arsenal having key injuries at a, at a bad time and also losing the luck that we talked about earlier this season, right? We discussed how like they've been very good, but also very lucky as well. Like, I mean, maybe not, maybe varies is too much, but like they've been good, very good, but also had some luck, whether it's from the injury point of view or from the fact that, you know, games that they didn't dominate they they still found a way to somehow won um and even and the thing that's not always a given in this sport games that they dominated they won all of them um it's uh it's it's disappointing in the sense of like the regression to the mean if you want to call it for for arsenal's performances this season and and their points total has all hit like at once that's not that's not usually what happens when when there's like a regression to the mean it's not necessarily something that happens within the span of like three weeks yeah the the peak in the valley of arsenal's form have been the better part of extremes right Or, or you could say over the last five years but certainly in the last two to three weeks 
I think the most telling part of, of Arsenal's form, and then I want to talk about this game as well, the last time Arsenal kept a clean sheet, clean sheet was against Fulham, and it was in their game prior to their exit from the Europa League at Sporting's hands. And I think a lot of us, and I guess maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I thought that their elimination from the Europa League actually would have been a positive thing because while they didn't have many injuries at the time or many key injuries, you could point to the Premier League and say, all right, great, they're out of the FA Cup, they're out of the Europa League, this is what they can focus on, that's all they literally have to worry about because they're going to be in the Champions League next year. I think mathematically they either are already or are very close to that point. And since that Europa League elimination, they've conceded something like, 13 goals in six games so a little over two goals per game that is not at all going to win you a title like uh, unless you're playing a very risky game of i'm just going to try and score like more goals than the other team which only like msn and bale benzema and uh what's it called uh ronaldo like can realistically pull off it's it's never gonna work so the fact that they've conceded as many goals in that short amount of time <laughs> and the fact that it coincides with Saliba's injury is not at all a coincidence. And I think right now, Rian, you are seeing the impact that squad depth has on champions and champion-type teams. City obviously have a lot of money. We can have that conversation all day. But the depth and the quality that they have to support that entire team they're, I mean, their bench alone could probably finish top six in in the Premier League. It's ridiculous. Probably top four, realistically. <laughs> like, like, I mean, all, all, all respect to Newcastle, but like the bench of, <laughs> of City is much better than, than any 11 that's in, that uh, Newcastle could put out. 100%. And that, I think, was the difference, not only in this game, but over the last couple of weeks. So uh, let's let's talk about this game, Rian. Um one thing that I was kind of interested to see was how Martinelli shaped up in the left-hand channel against Kyle Walker. And because Kyle Walker has sort of been in and out of this team over the last couple of months, we've seen Pep's comments about him. I, I don't think that that was ever a problem, to be honest, in this game, but not necessarily because Kyle Walker had such an outstanding game, but because the ball never really made it over to the left-hand flank. Like, it just never really made it there. It was all central. And you and I had talked about balls through the middle and balls over the top against uh, a defense and a, and a structure in a team like Arsenal. Talk to me about how you think that has impacted or that did impact Arsenal in this game. Yeah, I, I think kind of the, the thing that you – the one of the main differences that I saw during this game is one team – more comfortable playing against a press, a very, very high press than the other, right? Like, and kind of the ways that, that of comfortability, I guess the ranges of comfortability is more to do with how they were actually playing out. We know that city can pass you to death. They're, they're good enough to play out of any press, right? Like just by playing it on the ground, of course. Right. And Arsenal for the most part this season have been really good at, at, dealing with presses playing out of them right and they and they did they were able to play out of city's press like um at least a handful of times in the first half uh didn't really weren't able to generate shots from those opportunities but for the most part Arsenal did look more uncomfortable dealing with that press than city did and the reason why city felt more comfortable 
is because they are now pretty okay with, if they need to, play over the press and play it up to Holland, at least especially in this game. And we, and we saw a lot of it, I think, too, in, in the um, in the two legs against Bayern as well. Another Another team that is very dedicated to a high press. I think that, the, I mean, you look at the first goal. I, I said it in our group chat, but man, if, if Holland's holdup play is going to be like this, if this is, and, and it's genuinely gotten better since the start of the season. Unless, I mean, unless you disagree, Alice, or, or anyone, any Manchester no, no, City fan out there disagrees. The, the only thing, I mean, look, we're going off an eye test, but I would agree with you, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, if he has the ability to do that, plus also the other scary things that he does when he's in the opposition's half, right? If he's able to take the ball down on his chest, on his foot, lay it off for someone else, likely Kevin De Bruyne, and then he and De Bruyne are just running pick and rolls on your defense. Like, if if that's – if he's adding that – Literally then, ISO. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, they, I mean, that is really what they were doing the, the, most of that first half. Um, but but if he's going to add that to his game, and if and if City have that ability to do that too, like that is what makes this City team different than any of Pep's sides, any of Pep's City sides in the past. And and ultimately, I think that was, I mean, that was how the first goal happened, and and then, um, I mean, they scored a couple more for, off of just very direct play and and if city have we already know they're great at playing short and pass and like literally death by a thousand cuts <laughs> playing against them but the thing that i said earlier in the season that made me feel more confident in arsenal being able to carry this out through the end of the season was the fact that i thought they could play in, in different speeds whether it's short or playing fast um, City in these last six or so weeks, like it's obviously taken some time, but they've adapted more to how Holland plays, and it's opened up this ability for them to play either very slow and intricate or very fast and direct. And when you have a team that can play <laughs> different styles, whatever's necessary on top of having the most technical players in the world like this is this is a very hard team to beat yeah it's a very hard team to beat you talk a little bit about um holland's hold up play you talked a little bit about yeah de bruyne and him basically running like 2v2s essentially against like center back duos which i'm very curious to see against real madrid by the way i mean Um, even even them in a 2v3 was scary today was really scary yeah and (laughs) i guess the question becomes like how do you respond to that I, i think there are there are ways of potentially setting up your team to not allow balls that basically go right through cut through your entire midfield um yeah i think you can also pray praying is also another <laughs> another way to to get out of to get out of, of definitely. Uh, after mercy when holland's <laughs> running at you that that's one way to do it too is, is there a mercy rule in the Premier League? 
I actually oh, don't know the, 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 the one play today, sorry to, to derail your, your point here, but that one, there was one moment today in the first half when they're, when they are breaking at speed and it ends up with Holland in the box and he's basically double covered by, I, I assume one of them was holding in, in someone else, but for the first time that I can remember, he <laughs> does like a little jeek, like a, a great, like one, two move in between the defenders and he gets his shot off like that. I don't know if you remember that moment, but it was, it was when the game was still one nil and, and I, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> what the hell do you do with this? Yeah. Sorry, go, go on. <laughs> there were a couple of moments like that. I just, the one thing that we've talked about, you know, I think partially outside of the podcast has been like the involvement of someone like Jorginho and the importance of a, a, a ball intercepting midfielder right someone someone who can break up the play and find themselves as basically a, a stop block or what's the uh, there's a better phrase for it uh but between the lines of midfield and attack for the opposition i want to talk about that in a second but the other thing i just want to mention is actually on the arsenal side just related to their finishing gabriel jesus since coming back i don't think has been in great form and we haven't seen Martinelli and Saka step up at the best moments. Obviously, we've had we had Saka's miss penalty against West Ham. All of a sudden, they go back to the other end sixty seconds later and score. Right, like there are elements of of finishing within Arsenal that also have been very poor, along with their their defensive um, defensive play and defensive form. But for example, Rian, I just want to like share this with you just around Gabriel Jesus because he did have such a strong start to the season. Obviously, his, his injury derailed him. Gabriel Jesus last week or sorry not last weekend but over the weekend um he scored zero goals from 1.44 xg just just himself that was just gabriel jesus he has scored 67 goals from 90 xg in his entire premier league career and for contrast the most clinical and efficient finisher in the in the league the last like eight or so years is actually hungman's son and he's overperformed his xg by 30 something percent which is insane but if gabriel jesus let's say for example is operating at that level even near that level of actually performance he'd have 124 Premier league goals as opposed to the 67 that he actually has and look it's not entirely relevant to necessarily how city attack or, or to say that gabriel jesus needs to be holland but that's the difference between the best and worst levels of finishing in top top forwards in this game and if you want to win the Premier League, you cannot have those type of moments. You don't have to be Holland, but you can't have those games where you are missing and racking up so much, like so many great chances without actually scoring. That like that that is also a big part of this for Arsenal. So we can get back to the the city side and and just how ridiculous they look. But I wanted to mention that too. Yeah, that's always the other side of this, right? You, a guy. I mean, this is similar to the conversations we've had about Nunez, similar to the conversations we had about Timo Werner in the past. A guy who obviously is a positive to the team as a whole, like getting in positions to have good chances, as good a chances as, as Jesus has had this season is a skill in itself. And they're like, they're not a lot of, they're not a lot of players out there that can, that can do that. Right. Um, the flip side of it being that 
having a guy who can just score those chances and sometimes even score the chances that are not good. Like this game is so so fickle. Like like we we know that we know that goals are obviously goals are the only thing that not the only thing. The goals are what decides games. So it's it's always kind of that push and pull, right? Like it, you you want a guy who's going to help the team and to make the team better, which Gabby Jesus absolutely does. But then you have that thing in the back of your head too, where you're like, I need you to finish these chances too. And <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's so difficult. I mean, it's the hardest thing to do in the sport, of course. Right. Like oh, it's, course. it's scoring, but yeah, that is the, the margins are so thin. The margins are so, so thin in general when you're playing top sides, but the margins are, as I'm sure any Liverpool fan would tell you from the last six years, the margins are ridiculously thin um, when you're up against City. Well, Rian, I don't know if there is much more that we could say about City um, or about Arsenal, quite yep. frankly, unless there's something that you would like to mention to just tear Arsenal fans heart. No, no, no. This is, I mean this is not necessarily an Arsenal thing. This is what I texted you about before know, before yeah. uh recorded. And and it honestly kind of ties into the the Gabby Jesus versus Holland kind of conversation which is you know, we've been on this like from a tactical trend point of view since about Pep Guardiola's time in management, senior management with Barcelona, <clears throat> and him basically convincing us that any five foot two, like very quick <laughs> little man can play center forward. Um, we've been on this kind of trajectory or trend tactically where whether it's because there just haven't been like a, a, a huge pool of um of really good strikers or really good center forwards um or, or really good center forwards with with like size with like who are like big guys um we've been on this trajectory where teams are very comfortable playing with smaller attackers playing with a much more like dynamic front line right and, and we've seen teams have success with it in the past um obviously Bayern have have at time well last season they played without um one and obviously won the bundesliga last season and were very good but yeah they had some struggles in champions league but we've seen teams be very okay with that type of forward right those types of forwards up front right and i think the reasons behind it is that generally those little these quick little guys are much better at pressing than than um than the kind of big lumbering forwards again unless you are cyborg in holland or or like a cyborg light in uh victor Oshiman. <laughs> but we've seen teams go with these dynamic front lines liverpool is another example of course with with uh salamane and and firmino but teams would be very comfortable playing with those types of forwards because of what they can give you from the defensive side higher up the pitch right and as teams have gotten better at high pressing 
whether it's with little guys or not, but better at high pressing and more committed to it. We have also seen teams be more committed to playing out of the back, right? Oh, we've got to play with our center backs, passing it into the midfielders, progressing it forward slowly or whatever, right? What it feels like to me, at least from City this season, and it's had to happen because of the Holland signing, right? This is not just something that came out of nowhere. Like it, it had to happen because of Holland signing, but we've seen a team that was one of those that was very okay with the dynamic forward line, high pressing, playing out of the back slowly, blah, blah, blah. Shift towards at times playing four center backs, a massive man in Rodri as a center defensive midfielder and uh, the aforementioned cyborg up top. Right. And specifically they over the last, most of the second half of the season have also been more comfortable with playing over the press when needed. Right. And thinking about champions league games, especially in the two legs against Bayern, being very comfortable. If we don't have the ball, that's okay. We'll get it and we'll play it directly forward to, you know, our, our version of, of uh, Kobe and Shaq, right? <laughs> in, in Kevin De Bruyne and, and um, Erling Holland. And so I, I almost wonder, and, and this is like not a fully baked thing. I've not looked at any data to back any of this up really. Uh, but, I do almost wonder if we are going to start seeing a trend of teams moving away from the, oh, well, anyone can be a false nine, right? <laughs> Kai Havertz, he can be a false nine. Why not? <laughs> like, he's, he's got good technique. Anyone with good technique basically playing as a forward uh, or a center forward, <laughs> I should say. I wonder if we're going to start moving away from that, and especially with the with the Hollands of the world, I mean, I know he's one of one, but even guys like Oshiman, uh, Vlahovic at Juventus, uh, I wonder if we're, I mean, Alexander Isak even, right? Alexander Isak, another one. I wonder Great if we're going to start seeing teams move more towards just, I just want the guy <laughs> who can hold the ball and score for me. And I'm going to be very okay with playing over these high press. Everyone's a high press. Screw it. I'm just going to play it up to my to my center forward who is large and able to actually hold the ball up and now everyone else can come into play and now we progress now we possess the ball that way and pro progress it forward. So it's just a hunch that I had from watching this game and thinking about how City have played against Arsenal in both games this season, right? We talked about the the in the 3-1 win back at the Emirates. City played so direct. I mean, yeah. their first goal, if I remember from that game correctly, it was uh, it was a, a mistake from Tomiyasu where he passed it back and, and De Bruyne scored. But the initial play that started that all was a straight ball forward from uh, Ederson. And so I wonder if we start to see teams as a way to counteract the just huge huge trend of, of high pressing start to look towards 
how can we play the ball longer, still with some control, but how can we like implement ways to play over this press instead of trying to play through it every time, which obviously has its risks and rewards, but having that dynamism of being able to play long if we need to. I think what's, so I guess what you're ultimately saying is we're going to go back to watching United of 2007, like all over again. (laughs) And that's going to be the way that everyone plays. But in reality, like all jokes aside, I actually, I actually agree with what you're saying insofar as it relates to Manchester City. I am hesitant to extrapolate that across the rest of the league because if you think about the type of profiles that are needed for a very much route one direct type of play, I can count maybe three, no, four or five teams that have the right type of player in someone who can hold the ball very well and receive the ball very well. And also wingers that can establish like very much establish ground in a couple of seconds that very, very few and far between. So you can try that, and I don't think it would work, but I think the question is actually going to be more so around what's your plan B? Because that could be plan A. And we kind of see this with like the Spanish national team. I kind of go back to how Luis Enrique was always criticized for not having that plan B. Like Creating triangles of space across the pitch is great until you actually have to create a shot creating action. And in this case, hold up play is great until you lose the ball. And then the entire play is dead and everyone's tracking back all over again. So what's the plan B? That's what I'd be, I'd be curious about. Because if we go back, I will say, if we go back to a world where everyone just goes route one, all of a sudden, I, the Premier League is going to be a horrible watch for anyone. <laughs> just dreadful. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I, I should probably like more focus my, my thoughts here on like the trend. I, I mean, more specifically for like top, top clubs because we know that the teams if you are fighting relegation you're less likely to try to play very pretty passes out of the back with your center backs and your goalkeepers creating triangles with each other right um fair just thinking about more from the top top level top teams um it'll be interesting i mean obviously we won't know for another couple years right and and again a lot of it does depend on the pool of number nines that are out there right i think i think i think we can probably say there's there hasn't been a lot of like traditional nines like we've seen a lot of a lot of cosplaying nines um but it'll be interesting to see if 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 this trend kind of continues and look pep started the first one right and 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 i guess starting is also I don't want to say anyone started trends because he's like, he built upon teachings of Cruyff and the Barcelona's whole ethos, right? But he popularized that one. And if City keep winning, and and <laughs> why why would you think they wouldn't? Um, but yeah. if City if City continue to win like this by playing this way, as we know, like the top at the top clubs, like it's somewhat copycat right like like they'll yeah. they're all just gonna look at oh, okay so we can play this different way nice i, I don't <laughs> need like little like skinny i mean 
all respect to him, like Pau Torres type center backs who are not extremely physical, but great passers is of it. And where, where city is like playing with four, basically at times playing with four center backs. I, I mean, Kyle Walker is basically a linebacker. So he, he can kind of be, it's like, like that's the like, other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, we won't know for another couple of years, I, I guess, but I, I'm just curious if this starts a bit of a trend towards more traditional um ways of of uh of passing and 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 specifically like attacking i think we will see over the next couple of years but i like that analysis um always always like when we bring fresh ideas to the to the pod really uh really spices things up rian i do want to shift focus towards a game really briefly that my dad my dad and i actually watched the first half of um, and there was a moment where he left the living room and he came back and he missed two goals. That was in the span of about five minutes. I am, of course, referring to whatever can be described as Newcastle battering spurs. You can insert your own verb, um, expletive or non-expletive. Uh, are, are spurs a serious team? Maybe we need to start there. Are they a serious club? No, right? The answer has to be no. You're laughing at me, so I'm assuming it's no. <laughs> oh, I mean, what can I mean? Literally, what? How can I possibly say yes? You after can't this even game? find the words. Like, like how can like like? like <laughs> oh, like, that that would be like uh, my apartment being on fire. Uh, you coming up in to me? I'm standing outside of you coming up to me and saying. It was a bit hot in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 it is. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, that is so true. Oh my god. I'm sorry. But I mean, to more seriously answer your question, though, um, the answer is no. We know that, but but like. <laughs> It's it's more of the <laughs> it's more of the uh, from from Tottenham's point of view. Look, I I I no, I can't speak very uh, from a point of some high horse of sorts, considering the season that that the club I support have had. Um, not naming, don't need to name them. Don't need to say the name at all, um, but I I know that there's there's Spurs fans that are potentially feeling as bad about their team as I am about mine, and in another sense, their season ended when they were knocked out of the Champions League, and I, I feel like I might have said this even last week, so I might be repeating myself, but but. I mean that they're in a position where they still have a chance to make top four, which was the only reason that they kept Antonio Conte for as long as they did, which was the only reason that they kept his assistant manager, uh, assistant coach, I say as long as they did. Now, I mean, they're still mathematically in the top four race, right? Although I think they're now down to seventh. Um, this was like another level considering 
the stakes, right? Uh, playing another team in the top four. If they won against Newcastle, they would have been in, I, I believe they would have been fourth place. Um, to come out and from minute one, from literally the first minute, that they were all over the place, right? And, and I know that we can... Uh, this is not a game for tactics, honestly. When you when you give up five goals in twenty minutes, it's not tactics. No, no, but I do, I, but but I do ahead. understand the fact that they switched to a four three three. And there are a couple instances where you can tell, oh, these guys look like they've never played in this formation before. No, they didn't. I mean, there were instances <laughs> where it looked like these guys have never played defense or soccer before at times. Well. Right? Well, Persich like, was playing left back in which a position we don't ever yeah. see him in. Yeah. Um, so so that's factually true. I don't think it's hyperbolic at all. Yeah. And so I understand the – I definitely understand the change of formation that they haven't played in over a year. Totally understand that. And, and, and that is enough for me to be sympathetic about maximum two of the six goals you conceded. The other side of this is the first two goals. I think the first two goals that Newcastle scored, I can't blame those on formation. (laughs) The ease in which they were able to just run through Spurs midfield, really with like people not just, just basically not tracking runs or on Joe Ellington's goal, I think it was. No one really trying to stop him from dribbling into the middle of the penalty box, <laughs> and or uh, sorry, that that was a, that might have been the Jacob Murphy the Jacob Murphy goal. But then on Joel Joelinton's goal, that's just I mean Pedro Porro just never looked to see if there was anyone near him, so he didn't know that the run was being made. Uh, I, I <laughs> and then you know from there like, it's a great finish from from Joelinton, but. I don't think those two are down to to formations. I mean, I suppose unless you want to say that Pedro Porro's never played right back in his entire life, like never. I understand that he is a right wing back by trade, but like never. He's has he, has he, did, when he plays right wing wing back. Does he does he also just not care about any of the wingers running past him? Like I don't like those two are not down. Those are not formation goals. Like that is not down to tactics. So I I. I think it's very weird that you can watch this game and be like, okay, this team that has a chance to still finish in the top four, still has something to play for, are playing somewhat apathetically. Like, I would expect Chelsea to play like this for the rest of the season. <laughs> Which they, I mean, and somehow they we, I, somehow we have not scored conceded six goals or even <laughs> or even four. <laughs> like, it's it's actually it, that like that blows my mind. Chelsea players have nothing to play for. Absolutely nothing to play for. Barely pride, because that was gone months ago. <laughs> but Spurs actually have something to play for. And and to kind of like put a performance out like this was was shocking. Just shocking, really. Like that's the only way I can describe it. Um but yeah, you know, obviously huge credits to Newcastle as well. Like they played yeah. they were just overwhelming. Um so that, that's yeah. that's my my piece 
No, your piece is my piece. I mean, to be honest, I don't, I'm not going to change or add anything because everything you said was what I was thinking. Uh, Spurs were shit, and Newcastle looked like a top four side. I, 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 I yeah. think it's actually that simple. Um, I mean, it's not that simple for Danny Levy because he's got a. F- Does he have to figure out this club? Should it be Danny Levy? I don't know, but it, it, I don't think we get a say in in that at all. No, we don't. But uh, but but we all know that. You know, owners running running your football operations uh, that's never not worked out. I've got no <laughs> examples of that happening in the last twelve months. That's for sure. Um, you are you are a walking version of that Arthur meme of him clenching his fist fist like all the time. Like everything that you say with just a hint of sarcasm, I know deep down is that's what you're doing. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but I guess we're, we're uh, at least a quick, yes. quick quick question on from. That's that is obviously related to this game because he's the only person that scored for Spurs in this game. Um, Harry Kane, what, what do you think is going to happen for him in the summer? I think he's going to force his way or try and force his way out of the club uh, because, I mean, look, I don't know how close he is to Alan Shearer's record of uh, of most goals, but he he might think okay, is that really worth it for, like, the rest of my prime, which he is basically, like, age-wise, he's in, right? Like, this is kind of it. Um, is it worth that? Or do I go to, say, like, a Real Madrid? Like, is is now that moment? I think that's been probably an ongoing question in his mind. But if you're at a club that at the moment does not look like is going to get any better from a management standpoint, and you have no prospect of truly winning something that can cement your legacy beyond just goal scored in the league, I don't see a reason why you should stay. But the problem, of course, is that contract of his that he signed up for and signed a soul away to. And Daniel Levy doesn't have a reason necessarily to sell him first. Now, well, if... The, the, uh, just to uh, quickly... Sorry, just, sorry to interrupt. There's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one year left on it after this season. After this season? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> that changes things. Um, it, feel, it feels like it was like a six-year contract that started three it, years it ago. Was. It was a six-year contract. But, yeah. but, it, but it started yeah. three years ago. Uh, it feels like it started three years ago. Yeah. Um, well, when he, when, remember when he tried to – this would be the second – this would potentially be the second time he tries to force his way out. But But yeah. when he tried two years ago – to, to move to make the move to city he still had three years left on it so it yeah. was really impossible at that time so i mean look if an offer comes in that's high enough i think daniel levy potentially takes it because they're gonna at least want the money to rebuild parts of this team but quite frankly there's just a lot wrong from the top down it would take too long to explain so, yeah, I think Harry Kane, what will happen is Harry Kane will try and force his way out. I think it would have to be a super high offer for Levy to even consider it. And then we'll see what happens from there. Almost impossible yep. to tell. Well, I guess quick quick follow-up for you. Do you think that Tottenham should sell him? Oh, uh, oh my God, a thousand percent. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, actually, I actually think this is one of the easiest transfer questions to answer in the last several years. Should Tottenham sell Harry Kane. I think it's a win-win. Like it's not that Spurs need the money necessarily, but you can at least have have the opportunity to utilize that money in correct ways. Not that they will, but you have the opportunity to utilize it in correct ways. 
and Harry Kane gets a clean exit to a destination he probably wants to land. Like, Bayern and Real Madrid, I absolutely think, would be in the running for offering him contracts. But whatever Spurs do is their own downfall. So, <laughs> yeah, they absolutely and, uh, I'm, I'm happy you threw in that stipulation, have the opportunity to do it. Because I was about <laughs> to say, I mean, they use the money so well when they sell uh, Gareth Bale, right? So... Uh... <laughs> And Luka Modric, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. What a time that was. It's like seven years ago now at this point. So, anyway. Uh, more. But I digress. <laughs> Rian, um, let's move on. Let's talk about Spain. All right. One, one, last, uh, one last thing. Just a quick update oh, on the relegation. Oh, yes. Give me, on, give on, me the, on the relegation. relegation. Uh, the, the elimination chamber. Um, why, again, you think Everton, for some reason, is staying up. Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough one now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I told you last week. <laughs> Don't know what you expected. I will say, I will say, like Nottingham Forest have put in work over the last two weeks. But ah, oh, man, they caught they caught bright. I mean, I guess it's not the most surprising thing in the world. I mean, it's surprising that that I I suppose it's surprising that Forest actually scored three goals on Brian beat him three one. Right? Uh, not necessarily surprising that Brighton didn't win the game and didn't perform perfect particularly well, considering they played 120 minutes on Sunday <laughs> and, and, and they are not a team that's set up to play three times in a week. Um, yep. They don't have the roster. They don't have the squad for that. Uh, Brighton have never won like a, a major trophy. So yeah. 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 And, and not knocking them for, for like, the, of course they have to throw everything at that game and, yeah. and there's another world where they win it, of course. But yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, all credit to Forrest for getting the win out of that game, right? And taking themselves out of the bottom three, knocking Everton into the bottom three. Uh, and I believe Leicester's also now back in the bottom three after their draw with Leeds. <clears throat> I, I mean, a draw that, again, helped neither of those two teams. Uh, so the the standings now, after a Wolves win this week where they beat Crystal Palace on Tuesday and then West Ham also won this week and then lost it's Liverpool looking, today and lost Liverpool today that's true yep yep absolutely our elimination chamber standings now I'm <laughs> I'm I'm just about ready I'm ready to say that Wolves and Palace are safe I, I think 35 is still going to be enough and if I'm wrong, then wow, what an unbelievable end of the season for the, for the, for the clubs in the, the last five places. But uh, I, I think that those two teams are, are safe. So it's West Ham on on 34, if I'm looking at this correctly. Yep. Um, game in and hand, then, yes. yes, game in hand. Then Bournemouth on 33, Leeds on 30. I don't think this is the right table, honestly. Like, no, you're, I, think, I mean like, everything you said is right. <laughs> I know I'm looking at FB ref. I don't think it's updated yet. From, well, from, I can I can uh, run you through. Okay. No, no, no. I got I got it here. All right, go go for it. West Ham on 34, Bournemouth on 33, Leeds and Forest on 30, Leicester on 29, Everton. Wow, Everton's 19th now. Jesus. Uh, and Southampton <laughs> with 24 points, still propping up the bottom of the table. Um, that that draw against Arsenal did absolutely nothing for them. 
So we're, we're uh, still feels like we're going down to the last day with in terms of relegation. But considering the last couple of weeks that you know Bournemouth, West Ham, Wolves, and Crystal Palace have had, those teams feel like they are inching away from from uh, relegation, specifically. West Ham and Bournemouth, I still think they, I, they're just a couple points away from what I think will be enough. But uh, man, I, I, I guess it's 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 hard for me to predict the bottom the, the out of the four. Now I cannot, I can, you got me. I can no longer say definitively that Everton is better than the three other teams that they're fighting with right now for relegation. Um, but there are five teams, I, I should say, five teams that are really fighting it now. I think it's going to be between Leeds, Forest, Leicester, Everton, and Southampton at this point. I, I don't I think that Bournemouth and West Ham will pick up enough points, but I you know, you're not getting me to predict this this relegation. <laughs> like, so. The elimination chamber, yeah. No, I yes. like I said, I'm just still confident on Everton going down. Um I just simply do not think they have I mean if Everton <laughs> go down then then it's really like what's the point of Sean Dyche anymore? Uh, ooh, ooh. Honestly, if Roy Hodgson doesn't stick around at Crystal Palace, let's have that conversation about Sean Dyche coming uh, coming back. Um, that, is, that is a good question. I don't have necessarily... I mean, we we saw, what was it, last year or two years ago, finally the Big Sam era ended. Like He went down with the club, and then yeah. everyone was like, all right, well, I guess there's no <laughs> real use for you anymore. Like, <laughs> That's his job is just stop gap and preventing teams hundred percent down. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, completely agreed. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Rian, let's move on and talk a little bit about Spanish football. We had basically the game of the weekend was probably Barcelona Atletico. Um, played the the Spotify camp new. I have to say that now, apparently. Um, gosh. And we had a game last week that we didn't talk about, but was arguably probably one of my it was the game that probably made me laugh the most in Spain uh, this season. Just laugh. Um, Sevilla beating United 3-0, knocking them out of the Europa League after drawing 2-2 at Old Trafford. The Sanchez-Pichuan was rocking. And honestly, United didn't deserve to go through. Now, like, look. To, to, yeah, not at all. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I use the word deserve, and you know how I feel about that word. But United were also missing some pretty key players, Bruno Fernandes being the, the number one. And also they were playing a center-back partnership that was like dumb and dumber, the equivalent of, of uh, such a big game. Um, sorry, Harry Maguire and was it Lindelof, I guess? Um, yeah, that was tough to watch. Um Let's talk about this game because we didn't get a chance to. I mentioned at the beginning that Sevilla being in the Segunda and getting relegated and also being in the Champions League next season would be absolutely outrageously funny. But what did you make of United in this game? And I'll, I can give you the kind of Sevilla perspective. Weirdly apathetic, honestly. Um, considering like what was at stake here. Has uh, just made you apathetic after Chelsea this season? Like, are you okay? <laughs> Weirdly apathetic. The story of my last 12 months watching Chelsea. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I think that for from a United point of view, like, man, to be to, – to have a chance 
to kind of easily get past this. I know that Sevilla are good in the, are good in the Europa League, but I mean, we've talked all season about how terrible they've been in the league, and like. I know there are times when teams are not great in the league and then can win a European trophy or win a win a knockout tournament, right? Like we we know that's possible, but being a relegation candidate for four months of the season and and um, knocking out a side that is like top four in their league um, is not normal like at all uh mm-hmm. and i just think from from united point of view like it's it was very odd how poor they played and, and you hit on the fact that they're missing bruno fernandez and i know that that you and i have criticized him in different ways in the past but what that guy gives you is straight output and and also someone who drives the game forward for you especially like in difficult moments when when you are really like under pressure and he is a guy that, that creates chances for his teammates and, and at times he will score, score goals himself. Um, and, and, and he's been good recently, I think in that kind of deeper line position. Right. But I don't know. I just like, you kind of look at the team so that, that, that was out there and, oh man, it's like the, the center back combinations, um, David De Gea just refusing to leave his goal line, and <laughs> and then when when he does leave his goal line, it's when he's playing passes um, into his defender who is covered by three different Sevilla players, and the only way that man's turning out of that position is if he's Sergio Busquets. Like, <laughs> like what was that? What, like, what? Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny because if if Harry Maguire had let that ball run, like just through him, he probably would have. Ex- completely gotten through that press yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah if, if, if mcguire chose an option three dummy it in my own dummy it from the top of my own penalty box <laughs> i mean he probably wouldn't have been able to come back to manchester if he tried to do that and then sevilla still won the ball back and scored yeah. but um it, it you know you throw in like De Gea, you throw in the fact that they're uh, you know erickson great in what he gives you with passing, um, not so great in what he gives you with the like, defending side. And then I, I know that like some people throughout this season have been like, Oh wow. Casemiro can play these passes. Oh, cool. Wow. He's playing. He's better than he's ever, <laughs> he's ever been. Whatever. And, and, and then you watch that game and you're like, Oh yeah, this is why he was not allowed to <laughs> actually play passes at Real Madrid. <laughs> like, uh, you, you have that and obviously great, de- great defensive midfielder, but, um, you have those along with the like Anthony Martial up front, like the options of center forward are Martial and Veghorst. And Martial is so mercurial; like he, he, there's there's no real consistency with him when he's even available. Um, and it, it just kind of brings everything into perspective with this United team, where you're like this is not that great of a team. But there's just been some really good coaching that's happened this season to try to hide all of the weaknesses here. Uh, and it, I just kind of came out of that game thinking like, wow, if they, if they finish top four, then Ten Hag's got to be serious consideration for a manager of the year. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I very much think that we all agree. United 
in their peaks this season have looked very strong. I think some of that was aided by the fact that they knocked out Barcelona as well in the Europa League. They looked very strong against Arsenal, right? Like there, there are reasons this team has looked good. And I think largely that has been because of Ten Hag. But I go back to the thought that I gave you with Arsenal City, which is squad depth. United have decent have a decent bench, but not a top four level bench. And I think you're going to see Ten Hag want to move on a lot of players from the squad, at least five players in the squad uh, in the summer. And the only thing that I can I can realistically think of is United are a good team, but there is something about like going deeper in a knockout competition that simply does not resonate with them and, and it's, it's truly something i cannot explain because this is the sixth consecutive season now that united have been eliminated from a european knockout tie by spanish opposition no less and three of those have come against sevilla so i i think a large part of that is sevilla and, and obviously them like quote unquote making it like their competition right but something has to be said about united in this context as well there's no reason that they should have been knocked out six times in a row other than the fact that they are just simply not that good of a full-on squad in Europe. Yeah, and I think, like, in the past, the midfield, which which comes under so much more scrutiny in these, especially, like, European knockout ties, the midfield, how your midfield plays, I know it's easy to say that, but, like, how your midfield plays is so indicative on... on how you are able to actually progress throughout the competitions, but that's been like a real, a real pain point for United in the past. And then, I mean, it's still not fully figured out yet, right? Like they're, they're t- they they're took a big step this season in getting Casemiro. Um, they need to round out the rest of that midfield, like a balance in terms of like the balance, right? But it's disappointing, of course. And especially because of how late I think the encouragement that's come from this season. And I, and I do think that like trajectory wise all depends on what happens in the summer, of course, but the trajectory of how the team plays and, and the cohesion that they seem to have when they are playing well and and it, and it looks different than what United playing well in the past have <laughs> looked like uh even though i do think like some of the playing style is very similar in, when they when they've had success this season but i i just think it's, it's a disappointing it's just a disappointing uh exit especially to a team that has has not remotely been on this level all season uh but yeah i mean huge props to sevilla like i because you think about that first leg it's <laughs> What world? In what like In what we world? play that game a hundred times? That exact game, <laughs> the teams perform the exact same way. What are the odds that Sevilla are coming out of that with a draw? How many games do they come out of that with a draw? In yeah. in, in, in Doctor Strange format. Yeah, <laughs> like, like them coming out of a draw with that is that same like that. Uh, it was honestly disrespectful. That meme you see on Twitter, go go to Twitter around a lot. The Karen Benzema, where it's like one percent chance, ninety nine percent faith. Yeah. <laughs> like they play that game over and over again. United, 
yeah. easily wins the first leg. And then it's not even like, it's not, uh, I, I highly doubt they lose like three goals in the second leg if, the, if that yeah. first leg ends, you know. Well, you know what's funny about, and, and I actually didn't realize this until maybe a couple of days after, Sevilla on aggregate go through. Even if they lose the first leg 2 0, they actually end up going through. So, like, they realistically had no business winning that or drawing that first leg. But in the end, it kind of didn't matter as well. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. I mean, like, this, it's just like the the way that, that those two goals happened at the end, right? Like, it was two own goals. Like, like disgusting. The, the, the bounce, I just, I will never forget this bounce off of Harry Maguire's face into the, into the goal. It doesn't make any sense. It just didn't make any sense. Like this sport is so stupid sometimes, but, um, sometimes, yeah. but, but, be- but also beautiful in the sense of, yeah, the Sanchez Pijuan was, was awesome. It was like a whiteout basically yeah. with, um, uh, all the fans wearing like white shirts, super cool atmosphere. And yeah, this is their competition. This is their heritage. <laughs> this is football heritage, to be honest. That's true. Well, Rian, beyond that, Sevilla are still, they're a little bit less so, I would say, in a uh, a relegation battle, even though we joke that it is a relegation battle. They actually play Bilbao tomorrow, um, at least the time of recording tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, probably today. But having beat Valencia, United, and Villarreal in their last three games, Sevilla are in a pretty good position now. They're sitting eight points now, I believe, above uh, above the drop, so they should be okay. Valencia are still an absolute mess and, and sitting in, in the relegation zone. But we'll briefly just touch on Barcelona Atletico because Barcelona coming out with a one nil draw. I think I think they could have scored more. I think Barcelona could have very much put this game to bed. Lewandowski. I mean, yes, I, I was just about to say, mm. wow, wow, wow. Like, like, I mean, genuinely, props to Rafinha for not choking that man out on the pitch. Like, I'll let I'll let you talk there. I mean, I I I actually just can't understand the decision making. I I, honestly, if he had scored, we're not even having a conversation. But he missed so badly on an open net that. I was left like the whole stadium was like stunned. Like everyone was sitting there, like, did that just really happen? Like, did he just do that? Rafinha was clear through. But anyway, they could have scored three or four. It was actually a wonderful game. Um, Atletico and Griezmann specifically did hit the the crossbar in like the opening minute or two. Um, that was probably one of their best chances of the game. I will. I would have normally said that Barcelona's uh, clean sheet record slash goals conceded record, uh, you know, could potentially. Still, it could very well, even to this day, um, be held. But Rio decided to ruin that party today and and <laughs> beat Barcelona two one. Um, funny enough, Girona and, and <laughs> Castellanos decided to also put up yeah four. the real <laughs> game of the week, the real game of the weekend. You Honestly, mean if, if if you're a Real Madrid fan and you're watching that game. And then you're watching the City Arsenal game. Don't watch the City Real Madrid game because if you if Real Madrid performed like that against City, I mean, I'm actually like for for my friend's sake, I'm going to turn off the the game after halftime. Um, but yeah, honestly, Atletico have such a poor record at Barcelona that I was kind of hoping for nothing other than a win. In reality, Atletico are still probably Spain's best team, to be honest. So. Um, 
that's the since the world cup would, right since, since the world cup for sure um that's the only thing that i would probably say still an 11 point gap i guess at this point <laughs> between uh Barcelona and Real Madrid. I think there's what seven games to go now. Um, how many? Do you know how many points they need now to just so to if it? if Barcelona had won today, they would have needed just three more wins um, to to wrap up the league title. They obviously still need four because they lost today, and so did Real Madrid. So four more wins should do it, uh, and that will put the league title officially out of reach. I don't know in which game they could do it in, but I'd be very excited to. Oh, you know what? It was funny. They could have done it away at Espanol. That was the kicker. I had read that mm. if they had won today. Um, but <laughs> hopefully they uh, get, to, get to do it against Sociedad at the Spotify Camp Nou, which apparently again, you have to call it that. So, <laughs> Rian, I think that's basically all I had for Spain. Just a quick wrap up. Um, I don't even want to talk about what else is going on with Valencia. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just I'll just give one more shout out to Tati Castellanos. For Please three. Do. Three goals in 46 minutes, and then, yeah, yeah, and then and four four in total. I mean, all great, really nice movement. Uh, like, none of the finishes were, like, particular, particularly uh, exceptional, but the movement, the, some of the same things that we saw from him in NYCFC, MLS, like, wow. That's an MLS still signed to nycfc he's on loan at hirona um scoring four goals against real madrid that is like that is extremely Cert- impressive and, and baller and yeah yeah and, and you know, he's had a good like considering the team and the service that he's had he's 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 had a good season he's had a couple like bad misses obviously he really made up for the that really bad miss against barcelona a couple weeks ago Right, which is funny because it, it was almost the same exact chance in in yes. the Madrid game. Yeah, 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 and uh, no, but 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 really, really happy for him, and uh, hope that he gets to stay, that he either stays at Hirona or gets a move to another European club. But uh, the guy was the best player in MLS for two years, two full <laughs> years, and um, and yeah, he he deserves his chance, and and happy to see him take it. Absolutely. The last player to score four goals against Real Madrid, Rion, Rob Lewandowski in the Champions League in 2013. So in some wow, ways, ten, weirdly, 10 years, 10 yeah. years on. To be and fair, it was probably around goals. the same time, too. Uh, must have been the Champions League quarterfinals, I believe. Or I think it was the semis. It was the semis. It the semis so, before they met Bayern. Or, yeah, 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 around the same time. That's true. Well... With that, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up, I think, this week's episode. I'm going to call this, I don't know, what should we call it? I'll call it like the Game of Champions or something something like that. Um, <laughs> I just We already have one that's called ISO Football, so I can't rename that. Anyway, with that, have a great rest of the week, everybody. We will talk to you all sometime next week because of, um, God, weird scheduling stuff. I think there's like some games this weekend, some not in certain leagues. So we'll figure all that out. But um, also... The King's coordination is the following weekend, so there are, like, no real games on the weekend there. we got to figure that out. But anyway, um, just oh, a lot of weird stuff. Oh, gosh. Another <laughs> another week? No way. They're, they're not stopping Beverly games joking. again for one of these fuckers. No, oh, gosh. <laughs> they're not stopping it, but they're moving games. So just be aware of that. Anyway, thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you guys all soon. Thanks, guys.